Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I don't understand. I just don't understand. This is a ride-or-die woman. Yes, sir. 100%. 100%. Dude, you told her that you didn't feel like you were into it. You told her your ex was pregnant. She's still saying, correct me if I'm wrong, okay, well, let's work this. Let's work mm-hmm. through this. This is, we are, this is ordained by God. Let's work through Am I right? Oh, uh, yes, sir. 100%. She's still there. And to her, her credit, um, my, my ex-fiancee, She's an amazing woman as well. <sighs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Married at First Sight Edition. Oh, here go hell come. That should be the alternate, <laughs> the alternate title to this show. Y'all, what the hell did I just watch? What did I just watch? Mess. Drama. Unnecessary. So strange. For sure, like, the weirdest episode of Married at First Sight I've ever seen. So in this episode, we have the couples moving into their uh, neutral apartments and a visit by Pastor Cal. Now, Pastor Cal is the chef boyardee of Married at First Sight because he is always stirring the pot. And is it annoying? Yes. (laughs) But frankly, the couples gave him a lot to work with to begin with. So he really didn't have to do a whole lot of chef in this episode. Let's start with Virginia and Eric. Eh, not not too much to report back on them. Virginia has never lived with anybody, and Eric really seems to be 
cuddling right up into this role of I have all of the world experience and Virginia is this like virginal, uh, wide-eyed, manic pixie drunk girl. I don't know, <laughs> you know, like he, he just seems to be very protective of her in a way that is like, to me, very like weird and performative. And I just, even through Virginia's haze of Natty Light and Fireball and Don Julio, she still has a good head on her shoulder. Well, no, I'm going to take that back. <laughs> she still has a, a good perspective on their relationship dynamic. And she really calls Eric out through all of his like conservative almost alpha male type behavior. And I appreciate that from her. If I can't appreciate anything else from Virginia and I can't, that is the one thing that I do appreciate is that she does not, she stands her ground and she really like sees the situation for what it is. Is she really doing much about it? No, (laughs) but at least she recognizes it. And that's the first step y'all. That's the first step. So, she, they sit down on the bed and she's like, you know, we had a conversation about me wanting my space. So how do you feel about that? And, you know, like when she means space, she means like to have a day or two to herself. This isn't like a, you know, Carrie Bradshaw and Aiden moving in. And she says, you know, when I walk in the apartment, just give me 15 minutes. No, she needs like days at a time. So Eric, I'm kind of on his side with this. I mean, at first he is like totally like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. But then to the Camerons, he's like, no, that's weird. Like people who live together and who are married don't need that. And frankly, with my job and the fact that I'm gone for days and weeks at a time, it's she's already got that free time built in. So you know, I'm a little bit confused about why she feels like she needs even more of that. Eh, You know, yeah, yeah, I agree. It it seems kind of like if you knew that he was going to be gone half of the month, then maybe you would just see how it goes. And then if you need additional time on top of that, (laughs) then I don't know, maybe you guys need to talk about it at that point. But it seems like, you know, for somebody, and I'm speaking about me, who loves my free time and my alone time two weeks out of the month is plenty, (laughs) plenty for me. I, I feel like she's not as interested in Eric as he is pretending to be in her. And something tells me there's like a little bit of like an unspoken push pull between them. I'm not sure if they fully know how the other one is playing it, but in my mind, it's like, Virginia has, uh, you know, qualms and Eric, I think senses that to some degree. And I think his way of alleviating that is like kind of to lean into being like the nice supportive guy. So, you know, his side of the street is clean. You know what I mean? It's a strange dynamic between them that I haven't seen on a show before. Very strange. And I wonder if they're like, we're not seeing these conversations where Virginia, I mean, she did say last week, like, okay, your issues with my drinking are going to be a problem. I I just wonder if there's more going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to. So 
then they go visit her place first. And Virginia has a dog and two cats. Eric claims to be allergic to cats. And then he says, he lets it slip and is like, oh, actually, you know, I've been to several of my friends' homes and they, I don't even notice that the cats are gone, are there until they tell me. And she's like, oh, okay, so you're not allergic. He's like, no, 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 I am. She's like, no, you're not. Because you, if you were that allergic, you would know. Period. <laughs> so then we go to Eric's house. And I guess this is maybe like a condo or a townhouse that he owns, but he bought it furnished. And so I really was going to go in on him on that like cheesy bachelor pad, like porno black leather couches and the the electric fireplace that I couldn't really tell if it actually emits real fire or if it's just like colored lights that are like in the essence of a fire. It was very corny, extremely corny. And I know I, I can picture the man, the man that he bought this place from. He's got another room that's like, he said it's like kind of like a studio office situation he says like you know my friends come over and he's got this like little cubby hole that they can record in that's like uh you know whatever soundproof and a lot there's a lot of like pilots airplane tchotchkes around virginia her vibe is like comfy cozy small space really homey she has pictures like you know oh here's pictures of me for my sorority here's my big and my little oh god I hate the terms big and little (laughs) oh it's like girl I mean I shouldn't be surprised that given what we've seen about Virginia that her um basically like main centerpiece artwork was her like a v a, a photo album in the shape of a V, a picture frame in the f- shape of a V with a bunch of pictures of her from a sorority. Like, give it up, delicious. College is over. So Virginia says, you know, I can't really picture having a future in this, like, bang bro <laughs> house. Like I, it's just, like, I just, I don't see it. It's really, like, kind of cold and not really personal and... It just really isn't her vibe. So when they're leaving, she's like, yeah, I think we're going to have to find somewhere else to live after this. And you could tell that Eric was like genuinely offended by her saying that. So then Pastor Cal comes over to their neutral apartment and, you know, he starts by asking about the age difference and Eric moves in and he's like, you know what? I'm really not concerned about, uh, you know, I like, I understand where Virginia is coming from with her age. Like I was, you know, he kind of says like he was a Virginia when he was 26. So he understands where she is in life. Um, and that she hasn't had all these experiences that he has. So he kind of views that she's approaching the situation more like a boyfriend, girlfriend moving in relationship and not a marriage. Virginia says, she spills all the tea of what we have not seen on camera. So she says that there was one day she went out and she didn't, he asked her to text when she got there and she didn't. She says, 
I, I just felt really weird about that. Like I haven't had to text somebody when I got to a place since I was living with my parents in high school. Like it, she just felt like that was very like paternal old man shit. And then Eric is like, no, he's trying to explain that it's not like there was another situation where she just went somewhere. Like they were hanging out. She got ready and left. And Virginia took that as Virginia's Virginia took Eric's offense to that as like, he didn't want her to go anywhere without his permission. And he was trying to say like, it's not that it's just when you are married, you communicate these sorts of things, especially when we live together. Like, it's not that I want permission, but it's a courtesy like, hey, I'm going to go here. It, it's just like a, I, he viewed it more as a, like a formality. Where she viewed it as, you know, like daddy's mad at me for not asking her permission before going somewhere. And then Virginia mentions how she has these two guy friends that she's like, they, you know, they might as well be my gay best friends. And Pastor Cal's like, are they gay? She's like, no, but they may as well be. And she spends the night with them sometimes when she has too much to drink, which I'm sure happens quite often. You know, Thirsty Thursday comes around and I'm sure she's hitting the couch by two o'clock. She says that this is not a big deal and that she doesn't feel like it's weird at all that she should spend the night with these guys and the guys live down the street. I don't know why that mattered, but they live down the street from each other and these are just guys that she would never imagine doing anything. So Pastor Cal stops and is like, no, you know, and then he says, what the fuck was this? He's like, I, you know, I'm married and as a husband, a house band, <laughs> I would not take kindly to my wife spending nights with straight men sleeping on their couch because I do, you know, I, um, basically that he feels like she doesn't need to be putting herself in situations that could go left basically. And what the hell is a house band? Like we don't need these corny, <laughs> That is some old school, I'm the leader of the home and I need to making, be making the decisions on things because I'm the house band. And ugh, he even pointed to his wedding ring. Ugh, kill me. Kill me. I hope I never hear the term house band again in my life. That was all that we saw of Virginia and Eric. Thank God, because that was kind of boring. Speaking of boring, let's talk about Ryan and Clara. <laughs> They're talking about Ryan's schedule and Ryan has been, we're led to believe that Ryan is like very type A, doesn't like to rock the boat, has a schedule, likes to adhere to it. He's telling Clara that he goes to bed at 1030 every night, that he can't have a TV in the room, that he has to have the room ice cold, like super, super particular, right? So Clara, first of all, is like, I have not been to bed at 1030 since, like, in a decade, first of all. And they go to his house. So all this shit about a type A, him being a type A, goes right out the window when she opens that kitchen cabinet and sees two uh, boxes of Kroger Frosted Flakes just, like, hanging on the balance of this shelf that has been 
it's broken. And these poor little boxes of, of cereal are at like a 45 degree angle. He says, oh, you know, like, I just don't bother to fix these things. What? And then she opens his drawer, one of his top drawers in the bedroom, and he is just like a child who was asked to fold their clothes before they have to go out, before they're allowed to go outside and play in the pool. Just stuffed. Just stuffed every item, all his gym clothes, just packed in there. Packed, packed, packed in there. He says that it, it doesn't matter. Like, these clothes don't matter. So he just stuffs them in there because he's just going to use them anyway. They're for the gym and horrified. Clara and myself are horrified. Not not a hint of folding. Not at all. So even Clara's like, you really talked a big game about you being, like, super neat and clean. Because then we go over to her house and she opens the drawers and her clothes are not only folded but they're folded in that like upright Marie Kondo way so you can see everything is like merchandisable folding that's happening here but it wasn't she the one who said that she's very messy she did right that was her she was like I'm actually really messy but then we're finding out the turns have tabled haven't they so Cal comes over to the apartment and Claire's talking a big game. Like, everything's great. Nothing to complain about. Flowers and rainbows and candies and unicorns. And Cal's like, I bet if I dug deep enough, I could find something that you disagree on. <laughs> wink, wink. And Ryan says, you know, he he said that they had a conversation one night where they were in bed. Ryan looks over at Clara and he says, wow, we're really doing this, right? And she's like, yeah, we are. Like an unspoken but unspoken, like, I'm feeling you. I really like you. I think we're in it for the long haul, right? And so then Pastor Cal asks if they've been intimate. And they say, yeah, you could tell Ryan is very uncomfortable. They have not had sex, but Clara says... We've been doing other things, and those things have been going really well. So then Ryan says that he doesn't want to have sex because he wants to be very intentional. He wants to do it with somebody he's in love with, and all this, like, blah, blah, blah. Is Ryan a virgin? Because why are you... (laughs) I just have questions. If he's not a virgin... And you've now gotten married to this person. Why is it now that the goalpost has changed that you need to be in love? Because we know that he's never said that he's been in love with anybody. Even though he's been in years-long relationships with people. So, what is the truth, Ryan? Do you still have your V-card? Or what's really happening here? I'm really confused. Clara says... You know, I'm learning to take things a little bit slower than I'm used to. I'm used to thotting and bopping around here, and that's not happening, but I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) So then we talk about, Cal says, you know, okay, if you guys aren't having sex, that's fine. Things are early, but Ryan, you need to make sure that nobody feels, Clara, that they are Clara being neglected. And Ryan says, he's got all these, like, big 
ideas about love and he says that he will know that he's in love when he has a feeling that he can't explain and cal points out that love is an intellectual decision to commit to someone do i agree with that i think it's part of it but there's also those feelings that you have that are maybe more not lust but uh infatuation I mean, we all know that you can't decide to love somebody. You can decide to be committed to somebody and you can decide to love them as a verb. But love is more than just a choice that you make. Because if we could all just decide to love somebody, things would be a lot easier. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Um, So then, Kyle says, when you said to her in bed that one night that we're doing this. That's a commitment, right? And Ryan is, says, yeah. So Cal says, well, that's the beginning of something and to not be so afraid of love. To stop looking at this as like a pragmatic thing. I want to believe that Ryan is realizing that he's in love and he's looking for a lot of signs that when really he just needs to be looking, you know, look inside yourself, Ryan, dig deep, dig deep and see the man with the terrible haircut within you and just, just live it. Just live it out loud. I think Ryan's really afraid. And I, I feel bad for Clara because she has stated very many times that she is very quick to fall in love and her worst fear is to fall in love with Ryan and to have that not be reciprocated. And I just wonder if Ryan is going to be so withholding with Clara that it gets to be too much to her for her and they're going to get too far down a wrong path and things are going to get messy. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. All right, moving on to Vincent and Brianna. What a strange road they took this episode, right, guys? What was <laughs> very strange. So they walk into their neutral apartment first and Brianna tells him straight away, take your shoes off. She, excuse me. Brianna's a little bit naggy for sure, but she's also pretty harmless. And I don't think she means to be, she definitely doesn't mean to be malicious ever. And I don't, think she quite understands that what she's doing is a little bit annoying but to me Brianna's particular and type A and a little bit persnickety but she doesn't bother me she doesn't like really bother me and I think if you just have a conversation with her that makes sense Vincent about what it is (laughs) that she's what it is that bothers you about her, I think she's very receptive. And I think she really, really likes Vincent and she doesn't want to ever put him in a position where he's feeling some type of way about her. Brianna tells us that one of her quirks, as she puts it, is to clean behind people. So rather than asking them, will you pick up your shoes put the dishes in the dishwasher. She'll just do it for people. And she says, I, you know, I did it all 
during the honeymoon. And I plan on keeping doing that until Vincent tells me not to. Okay? So Pastor Cal stops by and they're talking about how they really like each other. Vincent is, you know, she's great. She's awesome. And Pastor Cal's like, great, cool. I love what I'm hearing, but also I'm getting a paycheck here. So let's dig into something that I can make you guys fight about. How about finances? (laughs) So they've had the conversation. They're both good. Vincent is team like hashtag grind all day hashtag we have the same 24 hours hashtag rise and grind he's that type of guy but in a lower level of annoyance on that he says you know I work really hard and Brianna says I support him 100% fully in whatever he's doing and Vincent tells Pastor Cal that he told Brianna that he looked at her and said, I'm going to work till we're very comfortable until you can get whatever it is that you want. We're going to be that like one percenter couple. Right. So then Cal asks if they consummated the marriage and Vincent, you know, starts with this beautiful speech about how from the moment he laid eyes on Brianna, he knew that she was the one, which is something that he says he had not told Brianna up until that moment. Pastor Cal is like, how does that make you feel, Brianna? She's like, it makes me feel good. And I feel the same way. And I feel like I can be myself around him completely. And that's all I was looking for. So strike one for Pastor Cal. He did not get them on that. So we start with two. (laughs) Pastor Cal's like, okay, give me something. Vincent starts by saying that his big thing is respect. That's the top for him. And he says that he and Brianna communicate a little bit differently. He says that he is somebody who will beat around the bush and he will let things get until he explodes. And Brianna is very direct. And he says, you know, at her, it's not really what you say. It's how you say it with me. Brianna in a confessional says, I worry that I'm coming off rude to Vincent. And Vincent says his main concern This is a lot of foreshadowing. His main concern is that he worries about his reactions because generally he's pretty chill, but when he feels some type of way, he can get petty and he doesn't want to do that to Brianna. Cal says, okay, well, those things are going to happen. There are going to be times where you're not perfect, where you don't say things in the right way, where you don't, you know, where you get petty. And Brianna just needs to understand that she, that she needs to know your heart and she needs to know your intentions. That when those things come up, that he's not intentionally trying to be a jerk because he really cares about you. Like, you can't expect to attain perfection in every communication that you have with somebody, especially your partner, all the time. So then we go visit Brianna's house. <laughs> first thing and I noticed that um Vincent did not take his shoes off by the way Brianna if you wanted to uh complain to him about that also a thing that I noticed before I forget is when they do Brianna's confessionals she's sitting there on a chair 
and there's a table and on the table has a sign and I believe the sign says like you know the love is patient love is kind blah 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 but it says on top it's a wooden sign and it says Vincent and Brianna so not to be like a spoiler alert but I feel like if they had that sign made <laughs> then they've stayed together this seems like something that you I mean, clearly they couldn't have made it before because they wouldn't have known each other's names. <clears throat> this seems like, like, and you know, like it couldn't have been a wedding gift, right? To me, this is a very clear sign. And I don't know why production didn't take that into consideration that Vincent and Brianna stay together. Now, are they, I mean, they're obviously number one. It seems like they're, you know, this season, Zamani and Woody, that there really doesn't seem like a whole lot that's really obstacles in their relationship. So on the one hand, it's like, okay, yeah, we kind of know that this is the ace in the whole couple, that they are going to stay together, but let's, let's have some mystery. Let's have some push-pull here. You know, I don't want to feel comfortable with any of my couples. Is that just me? Like, I want it, I want there to be some you gotta give me something. I need some mystery here. Anyway, so we're at Brianna's house and the first thing that Vincent, Vincent says is, it looks like your TV's a little drunk because her TV is slanted. It's on a, you know, a TV stand and it's at like a 25 degree angle. And I just love that he was able, no, I don't. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm taking it back because he was able to roast her. But then when she roasted him, he really went off the rails. So now that I think about that, that wasn't as cute a moment <laughs> as, as I thought it was initially, but it was a nice little thing. So then they go to her closet and Brianna seems to be sponsored by Michael Kors. Did y'all notice that all her shoes, she had Michael Kors branded clothing, dresses, all sorts of things. And I know that Michael Kors is like, you know, for a certain type of person. <laughs> and Brianna is that type of person. My mother is a Michael Kors woman. I don't get it. I mean, I do think that he has a lot of cute things, but Michael Kors, y'all know, like a few years ago, Michael Kors was not the Michael Kors that he is of today. He really had a resurgence over the past couple years. I am of the belief that we have peaked on the Michael Kors <laughs> of it all. I think we have moved on to a different designer, but he was that status symbol for, you know, the upper middle class. I would say what, probably 2016 to 2019. He he had his time. That time is over, Brianna. That time is over. I mean, I hope she has stock in Michael Kors because she would certainly, she needs some returns and dividends on that. So when they go over to Vincent's place, which is actually a super nice, super clean, really cute. I'm wondering where in the city he lives. <laughs> Brianna's still feeling some type of way. Not in like a, she's actually mad, but she's like, you know what? He said that my TV was drunk. And so as soon as she walks in him, his uh, living room, she's like, I think your TV's drunk too. Like it wasn't just me. It, his TV was fine. It was mounted on the wall. It was totally fine. But She's like, you know, I just felt some type of way about him talking about my TV like that. So 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Um, then they go to the apartment. Their neutral apartment. And... Vincent has a bottle of the Married at First Sight branded champagne that they had from the wedding. I guess he kept it and, you know, welcome home gift. Let's open this bottle. The bottle explodes on the floor. No big deal. And then he remarks that he had gotten some of the champagne on his white t-shirt. Who cares, right? It's a white t-shirt. It's champagne. It's not like it's going to stain He'll be fine. So Brianna very passively is like, oh, that's so Vincent of you. And you could tell his face turns to stone immediately. And he's like, I've never done that. And she says, well, there's a first time for everything. She's keeping it very lighthearted. Like you could tell she doesn't actually care. She's just roasting him just like he was roasting her about her drunk TV. Like it's not that serious. Apparently, for Vincent, it is very serious. So she doesn't notice at first. And she is moving her clothes in and asks, do you want to share a closet? He's like, no. I think we should just have separate closets. Like, maybe we should have a separate situation. (laughs) Brianna's like, okay. (laughs) So they go behind a door. And she whispers to him, like, is everything okay? Like, what is going on? And Vincent says you were being disrespectful and you were being smart with me. And I felt like you were belittling me. And she says, well, that wasn't my intention at all. And he's like, well, so what does that mean? What were you trying to say that I was an idiot? (laughs) I was like, whoa, (laughs) like I did not see this coming. I, he refuses to tell her. I mean, he, he does mention She's like, what did I do? What did I do? He mentions the shirt thing. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just didn't think it was that deep, right? And he's like, well, I can just go home. And then he does. (laughs) He walks out and leaves to go home because she was being a little bit shady about him getting champagne on his shirt. A little small spot of champagne turned into you going home. Does that make sense? It was the strangest 180 situation I've ever seen. Like, it it escalated so quickly. And it's not like he was yelling at her. But he was 
very upset. And that was weird to me. That was very weird. I really like Vincent and Brianna. And I felt like Vincent, out of all the guys, was the most sensitive. I mean, turns out he is, but I was thinking sensitive in a different way. The most in tune to her feelings, like, all in. It seemed like it could not... I'm hoping that this is the accumulation of several other things because if he's pissed off that she was saying something about his Hanes white tea, you need to talk to somebody about that, Vincent. You're doing a little too much here, okay? A little too much. Speaking of doing too much, let's talk about Haley and Jacob, y'all. Um, Occasionally during the live airing of Married at First Sight, I, on the EBBM podcast Twitter, will hold uh, uh, polls, right? So I'll ask, based on the hot topics of the episode, I'll ask people how they're feeling. So let's pin that for later. So last we saw Haley and Jacob, Jacob was really upset because he told us that Haley had texted him, said that they were going to have a girls' night last night before they left back to Atlanta. He said fine. He went downstairs, realized that it was all the couples there, and that when they saw him, they ran. To me, I was fully on Team Jacob on that. I thought that was... I still think it's very sad. (laughs) It really breaks my heart if that is the case. So then, we see Haley at the airport. She's self-filming. So she says that they have not spoken since she went back to the hotel room and we see footage of them packing up to leave and they're not talking at all. Her side of the story is that she texted Jacob about meeting up with the girls. Okay, so that checks. They both agree on that part, right? And then he just blew up on her and accused her of having a boyfriend back home. So... We don't find out all this other information. According to her, it was just, I texted him. I did the right thing. Next thing I know, he's blowing up at me and accusing me of having a boyfriend. So she changed her seat at the airport and was like, I think we need a little bit of a break before moving in. So we, the next time we see them together is that they're walking into the apartment. And Jacob is hot under the pants. He is pissed. He's pissed. The first thing he says is, do you want to look around the apartment or just get into it? And Haley's like, let's just get into it. Let's talk about what's going on. So Jacob does accuse her of acting like she has a boyfriend. And he says, the cordial thing you could have done in that situation with the girls night is that when you found out that it wasn't just going to be the girls, You should have communicated with me that everybody was going to be there so I could hang out. Now, this is the thing that I've had a question about this whole time. If when everybody saw Jacob, when he came downstairs, why did they all leave? Why did they all run? Is it because none of them like Jacob? Or I'm just very confused about that whole thing. So I agree with him, though. If it was truly just a girl's night that turned into a couple's thing, then the right thing to do would have been to invite him as well. Because it's not as though she would have 
had to like it wouldn't have been a one-on-one date between them everybody could have been talking and it could have been maybe another opportunity to you know connect or reconnect with each other so then Haley basically says I was just being nice to you the first two days I was trying to lean into the situation I was trying to get to know you and I started seeing things that I didn't like so Jacob asked what were those things that you didn't like and she's like well assuming that I'm a liar was to be the first thing he's like well you are a liar (laughs) Haley says basically like you're acting like I don't care about the situation but I haven't been able to eat for the past two days because it's been really upsetting for me and he's like well that's great but there's a difference between the Haley from the first two days and the Haley that I'm seeing now and he I told the experts that I couldn't deal with um someone who's really high anxiety and Haley's like okay cool So you're diagnosing me now, right? So then Jacob says, okay, well, let's just look around the apartment. I doubt we'll be here for very long anyway. (laughs) Jacob's gone into full petty Betty mode. He does not want to talk to this chick at all. I think he went really hard on her, but I, you guys, I don't disagree. I don't. I understand why he feels the way he feels. And I understand if Haley's not communicating the fact that she very clearly doesn't like him and he obviously is not picking up on that. She needs to communicate that because then he's just running with all these theories. The only thing that I disagreed was accusing her of having a boyfriend back home. Like (sighs) Haley on her own doesn't really seem she's significantly cooler than Jacob, but like as an individual, I just, it doesn't make sense that she would be hiding a whole boyfriend. Like, why would she do that? Like Haley doesn't seem interesting enough (laughs) to have a dude on the side and then also marry a whole other dude on a TV show. That's just my truth. Now, maybe I shouldn't be referring to that as interesting because we've seen how that's happening. With Chris and... Oh, God. Um, let, let me just get through Haley and Paige before I can get these two idiots. So, then Haley says, it seems like we have two different realities. And Jacob says, yeah, we have the actual reality. And then we have Haley's bullshit. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And I almost, I feel bad that I'm enjoying him being so angry because he shouldn't be. Like... He could keep it cuter than what he's doing, but I also, I can understand why he's so angry, for the most part. So, the next day, obviously they did not share a bedroom that night, we get footage of them recording themselves, both sides, and Haley's saying, you know, Jacob did apologize to me, and basically it so then we see Jacob saying you know I I did apologize I issued a formal apology I don't like how I acted I don't like how I treated her and I'm hoping that that formal apology will help us move in the right direction so they go to each other's places they go to Haley's townhouse first and he's really digging into the like I'm gonna go through all your shit right so he sees of course an acid wash jean skirt that she has. And he's like, this is great. Love it. Very 80s. 
Haley has to remind him constantly, I was not born in the 80s, so all this stuff that you're picking up on, I don't know, and mostly I don't care. None of us care, Jacob. Not one of us cares. I, 80s as a personality that he really seems to be leaning into, it's something that he might need to talk to a professional about. Like, I mean, he did say later to Pastor Cal that the 80s were just like a happy time. Were they? <laughs> were they? Because I feel like most of the things that you're leaning into are just like Coke Boy capitalism vibes. I I don't understand why he's acting like this is some leave it to beaver shit. Anyway, so then he goes to <laughs> he goes to her closet and he pulls out this typical you know woman of a certain age mom shirt and he's like wow this is kind of a Karen shirt don't you think she's like well it's my mom's <laughs> it was a you know like a card not a cardigan but a a short sleeve top a two-piece top situation basic color tank top and then a short sleeve flowy situation flowered situation like it looks like very middle school teacher like the one that you really like but also the one who was probably a Karen. I mean, I don't, <laughs> he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Haley's like, are you calling my mom a Karen? I'm like, well, it probably is. <laughs> um, so then we go to, uh, oh, Lord. Ugh. We go to Jacob's house, which he says is a combination of modern rustic and 80s neon. I don't like any of those words. I don't know what modern rustic is. Is that like a live, laugh, love vibe where you have like shabby chic peeled painting things on the wall? A lot of gray and white. Hideous. Hideous. (laughs) So he, they go to his place. One of his rooms the first room that they see is a living room because he has a split level house. So everything's on these different levels. The first room you see has a entryway to a lower level room. And it has these neon diamond shaped signs above the door. Ugh. Leading to this eighties room that is four walls one of which is just a full neon wall. Like it looks like a projector, but it also looks like maybe he built, it's like a built in neon wall that changes colors. Complemented by the other three walls, which seem to be very 80s wood paneling. So imagine a dark wood room with one bright wall that looks like I don't even know like you could if you touched it you would go into a portal back to the future awful (laughs) now for all the time he's been talking about how he's been redoing this house and how it's like his pride and joy we get to his bedroom and I don't even remember if we saw a a cup like a duvet cover (laughs) or anything he is complete straight man i'm 
positive he uses one ply toilet paper. Like, your house wasn't giving what you thought it, it is. Sorry. It's not giving what it's supposed to give. He's really trying to push this 80s vibe. Like, oh, can I bring this? Can I bring that? Can I bring this to our neutral apartment? And she's like, no. Please, God, get me out of here. <laughs> like, like the, the prayer from Forrest Gump. Like, please, God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away from this. <laughs> she is so sick of this man. And it's really funny to watch. It's shocking to me that he doesn't seem to understand that like the things that he is loving are things that she is just gritting her teeth to just like you could tell she just wants to be like you're a fucking nerd i i don't like you i don't like you i don't like anything that you like everything that you like i hate it's the worst possible thing why don't you see this like why does he not get it she doesn't like him she doesn't like anything about him Oh, it's sad. So back at the apartment, they try to introduce Jacob's three dogs to Haley's one dog. And things don't go very well. There was one Corgi who was really getting it on in Poppington. And she was ready to fight. Ready to throw hands, her short little hands, on Haley's poor sweet dog. <laughs> poor Sophie didn't know what the hell was going on. And neither does her owner. Poor thing. Um, so then they have Pastor Cal come over and Jacob says they're better now, but they're not physical because Haley is not really, a, it's not part of her love language. Like it's bottom of the barrel for her love language. Is it, or is that just with you? You know, Jacob says he's confused on whether or not Haley likes him because she doesn't even want to hug him. Like, he'll, he's been trying to introduce, like, small forms of intimacy, like, maybe we can hug before I go to bed, and she doesn't want to touch him at all. <laughs> Haley says that things just got to be too much between them, and she pulled back. And when she pulled back, Jacob didn't understand why, and that's when things blew up for them. Haley then drops that Jacob called her high strung and said that he had a boyfriend. He accused her of having a boyfriend back home. And Jacob says that all of this is just something that he's dealt with in the past. That apparently he's been in several situationships in which he thought that he was a full on boyfriend to someone only to find out that she was using him to cheat on her actual boyfriend with. So this is a bit of a sore subject for him. How many times has this happened to you, Jacob, that you think that this is normal? Because it isn't. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. Like, I, I've long since said that if you live in even a marginally, marginally large city and you date enough, you'll probably find yourself in a situation in which um, somebody has put you in a relationship that you did not think that you were in. Meaning they were seeing somebody else or they were fully dating or married to somebody else. Like these things are not that strange and I'm sure it probably happens, but it shouldn't happen to you so often that that is your go-to assumption for every person that you date when things don't go your way, Jacob. That's, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the case. So 
Haley says that she shuts down and she really has an issue with being honest. And Jacob says he encourages her, like, please unload on me. Please communicate with me. So, I mean, clearly, girl, he does not pick up on the very obvious signs that you're giving. Like, the neon signs that you're flashing, He's he can't read them. He cannot read them. So, Haley was like, well, okay, I'm gonna unload. She says... There really wasn't a connection between us. And once he went in on her, the small glimmer of hope that she did have with this relationship was gone. So he's thinking that they're fine and that they're like moving forward. They're not, you guys aren't Jacob. She still doesn't fuck with you. And she's also telling you that she doesn't really see that there's any way to make the situation better. He does not pick up on that. So I guess I have to take it back. Like she should have been a little bit more clear that like, I just don't like you. Cal asked Haley, what is it that Jacob could do? What is it that he does that bothers you? What is it that he can do that could possibly change? And Haley's like, honestly, it's the 80s stuff. I, it's a big red flag for me. I don't like it. I don't connect to it. I don't want anything to do with it. And the fact that he is so obsessed with all things 80s is a huge turnoff. And it, I, I get that, girl. I absolutely get that. Cal is hopeful. He's like, that's fixable. And you should be in a relationship where, you know, your wife can edit a few things about you. And that's not a bad thing. Haley... Jacob's like, great, I can curb that, no problem, and everything will be fine. And Haley is like, you know that emoji that's like the Chrissy Teigen face? It's like, ugh, like you're smiling a little too hard, but there's terror behind them eyes. And that's exactly what Haley was giving me. I, um, to talk back about the polls that I was doing, I asked people if they were Team Haley, Team Jacob, or Team Neither, and it was pretty equal on team Jacob and team neither. Like it from the people who answered my poll doesn't seem like people are really fucking with Haley. And I wonder for people who are team Haley, let me know why I won't judge you. I'm a listening ear. You can unload on me anytime. I'm, I'm just curious to see where your perspective is on that. I mean, Jacob is whack. He's real whack. <laughs> and He's weird, but for some reason, I still like him more than Haley. And maybe that's something that I need to unpack on myself. But anyway, Jacob seems very hopeful at the end that this is giving them, putting them in the right direction. And I feel like that conversation with Cal afforded Jacob about six to eight hours of goodwill. And I hope he does the absolute best with it because he has has no room to fuck up. None at all. Speaking of somebody who has all the room in the world, apparently, to fuck up multiple times, Patty Melton Page. My God. My God, you guys, what was that? So we find out that Haley and Jacob, Haley was not the only person who changed her flight. Um, We see Paige by herself at the airport, and she tells us that Chris told her that he needed to go back to uh, Chicago to clear his head that he needed space Chris what do you need space from 
And who do you need space from? The way he treats this woman is appalling. But at this point, my patience has really run thin with Paige. She's allowing him to treat him like her like garbage. And she keeps allowing for space in her heart and in her mind with him and her vagina. And that man continues to play you, girl. And you're letting him. Like, it was fine if you wanted to try and rifle through the fact that he called you ugly within 36 hours. And it's... I mean, he really lost me after that. <laughs> but, but, okay, if you wanted to try and make that work, fine. Not everybody is initially physically attracted to somebody and then they learn to grow in love. Okay, maybe there was a shot in the hell at that happening. I'll give you that, girl. But anything after that, you need another Jesus than the one that you're listening to. Because you're bringing Jesus in a lot of this. And I'm telling you, girl, Jesus has left the group chat. He would like to be disconnected from this conversation. He is not on the main line anymore. He is gone. And he is on vacation from this terror of a relationship. I cannot believe that this man... I can believe that this man said that he needed a break from her. I can believe it. I can believe it. Trifling. Trifling. So he comes back, but we don't see him back. What we get is a view from the ground of their balcony up above. And here's what I need to know is, okay, I've read a couple things. And what I do know is that the couple's are under a contract. You are required to be filming, right? Why is does it seem like Chris is running the show? Because we're seeing him or them or just a balcony, a, a window, frankly, and it said that Chris didn't want to be filmed. Why is he allowed to do this? Why is he allowed to go into the bathroom, take his mic off, um, dictate when and when, where he can be filmed. Like, why is this happening? Why is this happening at all? So what we start to hear is Chris starting by saying that he keeps it real and that he doesn't want to lie to Paige. And then on the screen, it says that they took their mics off. So we get the scene of the season. I'm hoping of I guess what it seems like a phone call between Paige and somebody from production because we get this grainy footage of a iPhone that says Paige Banks on it. We don't see who she's talking to. So she tells us that in this conversation, Patty said, I'm still in love with my ex. She's crying at this point and says he told her he wants to move forward with a divorce and he's spoken to a divorce lawyer about it. And Paige is like, pissed. Finally. Finally. I mean, I was initially happy for her that she was leaving this man. But then I was like, oh no, he left her. So, egg on my face on that one. So then we hear Paige screaming. She's like, 
I'm disgusted to have had any type of intimacy with him. Fuck that. Fuck him. I'm fucking done. All this motherfucking drama you dragged me through. And then she says, when I meet with Pastor Cal tomorrow, I'm going to air all his shit out. Fuck you and fuck that bitch. (laughs) I don't like how we had to get here, but I like that we're here. I don't like that he is leading their relationship but she needed to let all that out. We've all been saying that for weeks now. My God. My God. How far, do, how long did this last? So not very, not very. So Paige says, you know, Chris threw a bomb at me last night and I hope that his trip to Chicago would have given him some time to reflect. And I'm like, girl, I think it did. <laughs> I think that's exactly, he reflected on getting a divorce from you, ma'am. So Pastor Cal shows up, and but before he does, I just wanted to say, on a petty note, that Paige was sitting there on the couch waiting for Pastor Cal to show up, and I noticed something that really um, set the tone. It really illuminated a situation for me on Paige's behavior, and that thing was her Dooney and Burke purse. Now... I'm very sorry to all of you who might have invested and gotten a Dooney and Burke purse. I know I've already talked about Michael Kors. I don't want to act like a fashion snob, except I am. So I will just say that a 26-year-old girl with a Dooney and Burke purse, that sends a message. That sends a message that you are stuck in the past, that you um, make poor choices, (laughs) And, you know, Paige has a Dooney and Burke person. Who, who is, I've never seen a woman in her 20s with a Dooney and Burke purse. Like, that is, I thought you had to be, like, a, eligible for AARP to have a Dooney and Burke. Like, a Dooney and Burke purse, girl. <laughs> girl. Sometimes our fashion really, you know, expresses who we are on the inside. And that told me everything I needed to know. So, <sighs> Pastor Cal shows up and he says, you know, Paige, I want you to make sure that you're heard. This is the first time in Married at First Sight history that I can remember one of the experts be like, fuck this guy. We are here for you. They have been supportive, like, with Mindy of Mindy and Zach and maybe Kate of Luke and Kate, they have been supportive, but they've also wanted the couples to try and figure something out and make it work. This is not happening in this case. And I, this is the most I've ever liked Pastor Cal. <laughs> like, no shade to him, but, you know, I understand that they have a job to do and that this is a show and that the show is reliant on these couples working because otherwise, what are we watching? Like, Otherwise, we would just be watching these people ruin their lives, right? By getting married to people that they have no business getting married to. But I appreciate that they have made the decision in this case to be like, we cannot support this. We need Paige to get out of this relationship. So he, she starts off by saying some strange things. First, she says, you know, she tells a story, her 
side of the story. So, oh my gosh, getting all of these alerts on my phone. Sorry. Um, so she says, you know, it felt off from the beginning and she could kind of feel like Chris wasn't attracted to her. Then she says that she felt like having sex with him was more of a duty that she had to do as a wife and not really like she was really into him either. Like she kind of told on herself and I, Ooh, I felt bad for her on several different levels. Like why you would feel so much pressure hours into a relationship to give of yourself physically to somebody that you know on some level you're not into something doesn't feel right you feel like he's not into you you feel like you guys aren't connecting and yet you felt like that was your wifely duty instead of it being like a bond that brings you guys together on a different level Paige, I hope she is watching this and seeing how people are reacting and seeing that she needs to really seek some sort of counseling on why she thought that that was okay. Like the, to me now, the onus is on both of them. Like if you don't feel right, don't do it. And that goes for both of you. If he's not attracted to her, if she feels like there's something going on, there's something amiss, like, listen to that instinct. Paige is somebody who will fight against every natural instinct that she has and just go with this God that she feels like is guiding her to stay in this relationship. It's weird. It's very weird. So then she says, you know, we had sex that first night. We had sex the day before, the day after. And Paige says, you know, it's odd that Chris wanted me to do that. And he's not attracted to me. And I I just feel like it's different, but the same. I don't know. Cal says, this is bullshit. Well, he says BS. He's like, "I, I can't say this as a pastor to pastor, but this is BS. So... Then she tells him about the baby and how far along his baby mama is. And a light bulb goes off in Pastor Cal's sentences. Okay, so she's six weeks along. Six weeks ago, was we were very much deep into the process of the show. Why would he do that? She says that he told a story about how, you know, her father died He flew out to see her and I just like, I just think it's all very, she, the fact that she is still accepting that part as a whole truth doesn't make sense to me. Like the thing that I felt like he really told on himself about was when he said like me and my baby mama unblocked each other a week before the wedding. How did they both come to that decision to unblock each other? days before he got married no that that is not what happened that is not what happened and if it is then I think I would bet a subway franchise that he knew she was pregnant prior to their 
him walking down the aisle. That's, that's my thoughts. So, you know, they start to keep talking about the sex and she's, uh, what's her, Paige says that they've had sex basically every day, except for the two or, except for maybe two or three days. And it's been unprotected. Thank God. God, finally, here's that God that you need, girl. The God of starting your menses. So now we know that you at least don't get knocked out by him. That's the God that I'm loving. (laughs) That's the God that you should be grateful for, girl. The one who got you out of getting knocked up by this patty melt looking bitch. Thank God for that. So then Paige says that he told her off the record that he's moving forward with his ex. Then we see cameras in the hallway. We see some blue and black J's. We see some size 14 limited to skinny jeans with rips in them. And an ombre gray to blue shirt. Walking up. And Cal's talking about, you know, like how this is not just a show. And all this stuff. So Chris comes in. He's like, hey guys. Mush mouth, right? So... Chris starts mumbling about how it's been tough to find out the news. The news that he got somebody pregnant. How hard it's been for him. Okay. And Cal says, so am I to understand that you are trying to be with this woman? And Chris says, this bullshit that he told Paige before, which is like, you know, I I don't want, I don't like the idea of another man raising my kids blah 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 and Cal's like you can raise your own child that it's not like you have to be with your baby mama to raise a child you can do that you don't have to marry her and Cal's like so what's you know you having concerns about raising your child is very different from you telling Paige that you're still in love with this woman so what's tea girl? Cause you broke up with this woman for a reason. So now are you saying that that reason that you have is invalid? And Chris is like, Oh, well I haven't gotten there yet. Well, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> where have you gotten? Where have you gotten? It, it, to me, he got to like, he saw a commercial about divorce lawyers on TV and was like, Oh, I'll write that number down. I'll save it in my phone. Now you're blowing up your whole marriage, if you can call it that, and you haven't even considered that there was a reason why you broke up with this chick the first time, if you if you even broke up with her. Who's to say? <laughs> Who is to say that you guys ever broke up? It's, it's, it's. The timeline's not adding up in your favor, sis. So, Cal asks Paige, you know, how do you feel? And she's like, well, I feel like I got the short end of the stick here. And I feel like my intentions were pure. And I wanted to be here and get married and do this. And Chris is acting like, oh, well, my my intentions were pure too. Excuse me, bitch. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. At what point were your intentions pure? That those three days that you didn't jack off? because that's all i can see this is wild this is so fucking wild so then patty tries to act like Paige was the one he really and this was the point where i would have mushed him in his face immediately he tries to act like he basically suggests that pay there was it wasn't just him that wanted to have sex or it wasn't him at all that Paige was the one who talked him into it but he is such a gentleman that he doesn't really want to air out her dirty laundry on tv and I don't really want to talk about that you know like I want to be respectful his respect is so (laughs) situational to whatever makes him in his mind look better like, oh, now all of a sudden we're we're talking about respectability politics and you don't want to tell all, you don't want to air her dirty laundry. Get the fuck out of here. Get out of here, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, God. Everybody at the count of three, let's just scream. Okay. <laughs> you know? I, I, ooh, if I catch him in these streets, man, I, ooh, ooh. So, oh, God. Okay. So then Pastor Khaled starts talking about how much of a ride or die Paige has been and how great Paige has been. And Chris says, well, you know, to give credit to my ex, she's an amazing woman as well. Why? What does that have to do with anything? Why would that be your response to this woman has ridden Basically, you have been dragging her through cow patties of your truth bombs and bullshit, literal bullshit and figurative bullshit. And she's just been holding on to that rope, letting the shit get all in her Dooney and Burke purse and in her weave. And then you part those dry lips to say that, uh, oh, I just want to, you want to advocate for the baby mama? Why? We weren't even talking about her, bro. Let's pause. I want to talk about how great she is, too. 
the fuck? What is he? What, what is this man on? What is wrong with him? What is wrong with him? And just like I said, Paige, I hope Paige is watching and seeing the error of her ways. I don't, I think we're way past this on Chris, but I hope that at least his family looks at that and thinks, damn, <laughs> where did we go wrong? Ooh, girl, the ghetto, the ghetto. So Cal is like, okay, I, I'm done here. I will fight foot, tooth and nail for a marriage, but not this one. Deuces, I'm out. And then Chris says, so now Chris and Paige is sitting there on the couch. She's not really making eye contact with him. And Chris says, well, I hope you don't make me hate me, but I can't control that. Manipulative. I mean, the gaslighting, the fact that he is, ugh, I can't control it. Yes, you can. <laughs> Everything you've done to her that makes her hate you, you've intentionally done. And if you hadn't done that, then you wouldn't even have to say, I, I don't, I can't control that. You can absolutely control somebody hating you. And the thing you do it is not to be a fucking gremlin of a man. That would really help. That would really, really help. Oh, he's so sick. Uh, so then this little burnt chicken nugget puts his hands on her shoulder and he whispers in her ear again why isn't production saying you need to say this shit out loud you don't get to control what it is that we hear on the mics and what we don't you're getting paid bro he, what is happening <laughs> he as soon as he put his sweaty little palms on my shoulder i'd be like yo six feet Get back. Back it up. Back it up real quick. He whispers in his ear, in her ear. And then we find out in an interview that he told her that his fear is falling in love with her. Excuse him. <laughs> what? I... I, I <laughs> You told her that you called a divorce lawyer and that you want to move forward with a divorce and you just said how awesome your baby mama is when Cal tried to advocate for this woman. You said you don't find her attractive. You basically said you only find her attractive as a prayer warrior for you. And now you're saying that I'm afraid to fall in. I mean, get the, f bro, he is sick. He is a sick individual, and I hope that some college professor compiles all the clips of his behavior. Gaslighting. He's an emotional terrorist. Is there a jail for that? Send this man to Gitmo. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> and if that wasn't wild enough, why Paige did not yeet him out of that balcony? Like Jeffrey, like Uncle Phil did to Jeffrey on The Fresh Prince, is beyond me. What is even further beyond my realm of comprehension is that 
page continues by saying, I thought this was going to be a clear-cut bye, see-you-never situation, but now I'm confused, and if we're really done? Huh? Girl. And so I think what little faith people had in Paige, because I was already tapped out, gone. Now you're confused about whether or not you're really done. (laughs) I've never heard some shit like that in my life. (laughs) This man did every terrible thing to you and he whispers in you. It takes nothing for this man to get back in her in her good graces it is unbelievable unbelievable (laughs) i i will never recover (laughs) i will never emotionally recover from that scene that she actually is leaving a little bit of a glimmer of hope a crack of the door open for this relationship and now she's confused because in less than 24 hours he wanted he went from wanting to divorce you to to lying to you in your ear by saying he's afraid of falling in love with you she says you know my i'm done looking crazy are you cuz you just said some real crazy shit girl seems like you're very comfortable looking crazy kind of seems like your forte <laughs> seems like you really fucking love it <laughs> She says, you know, my emotions are everywhere. And, you know, why can't we just be a a normal, boring-ass couple? He gets his uh, uh, baggage out of her car and then he leaves. Thank God. I could not believe it. So, clearly, everybody's very upset. And um, there has been a... uh, There was a... uh, uh, a tweet and not a tweet and delete. There was an iOS press release uh, from one Dr. Pepper. So shout out to you, listener Aaron, who sent me screenshots of this message that Dr. Pepper posted and then deleted. It's a long one, guys. So dear married at first sight fans. Thanks everyone for being concerned about Chris. I understand, of course. So let me try and explain from my point of view. First of all, we do a lot of in-depth research on people. Not only do they fill out long questionnaires and have several interviews with all three of us, plus producers, there's also an outside independent psychological firm that gives us tests to applicants at two different times. There's also a forensic researcher looking into any legal infractions over the last 10 years, and we also look a decade back for social media posts that might disqualify someone. All this is to say that if someone gets past all of this and turns out to be a bad fit for the process, they have fooled a lot of people. One reason we think this can happen is that all of this in-depth but not necessarily happening when a person... Sorry. One one reason we think this can happen is that all of this is in-depth but not necessarily happening when a person is under stress. People do change a lot when threatened or disappointed. Who threatened or disappointed Chris? Anyway, I also understand why people might want us to not continue filming this couple. The reason we keep on is that we have seen similar quote unquote train wrecks turn around. For example, go to the season in Boston and look at Shawnice and Jeffy. 
It's miserable to watch in the beginning, but he turns around and breaks down, changes the way he approaches his wife and his life, and the changes are both life-changing and inspirational. They're happily married now with a beautiful child. Granted, this is exceptional, but it does happen, and so we watch things play out. Even if the couple doesn't get together, at least one person can grow and gain strength and know more about who he or she is and what they want in a partner. More time in the experiment also gives us experts more time to counsel to try and help them work through tough experiences. Um, Do I or any of the experts mince words with Chris? I don't think so. I'm appalled at some of the things that he has said and done. I don't know how many of our statements to him make the final cut for me or anyone else, but no one is giving Chris a quote pass. I can understand, however, if you don't think that's enough, but our role is different from your role. We give honest feedback, but not everyone can listen and use our insights and critiques to be a better person. It's also true that we can tell Paige what we think is in her best interest, i.e. cut off all interaction, but that doesn't mean she agrees with us and wants us to, wants to end the relationship. She's an adult, a person determined to see this experiment through, and she considers what we say, but she does what she wants to do. But does a lot of it break my heart as much as of it has broken yours? Do I understand your disgust? Of course I do. We must take responsibility um, for this match. But I assure you, the Chris that we all see now is not the Chris we met and married to Paige. I wish we knew how to get to the core of someone's intent and their ability to love all the time, but we cannot. What we have done, however, is, over all these seasons, try very hard to make good matches and great relationships. And we do take pride in many of the marriages and families that we have put together that are worthy and lasting. I wish it was a perfect record. That's what we try for, but that doesn't seem to be possible. We tell everyone that truth, we tell everyone that truth, that this is a high risk endeavor, even with three trained professionals matching the couples and giving them support along the way. But we are not relationship wizards. There will be some failures. However, we think the many life enhancing successes we have created justify the continuation of Married at First Sight. Sincerely, Pepper. So what I'm reading from that is they made it very clear to Paige that she should not be talking to this. Leave that little patty metal alone. She decided to do her own thing and go rogue and didn't want to listen to anybody. And had, Clearly, what she's saying is that they decided to stay together, to me. That's what I'm t- taking from that. She took his little little pence, little, little half pence of, of charm and uh, manipulation, and she's decided to run with it, despite everybody telling her to do differently. I'm disgusted. Not so much a pepper, because she's right. It's very clear by watching this episode that Caster Cal told her, get the hell out, and she is deciding not to do that. So, you know, it sucks that she was put into this situation, but it sucks even more that she refuses to get out of it. So, with that, I'll catch you guys next week. My God, we're going to have to watch this conversation between Chris, Paige, and the baby mama. And the baby mama's very dry edges. I want to say that I can't wait to watch, but I absolutely can. I'm hoping that time, somehow, there's some sort of space-time continuum that makes the week go much longer. So I have some time to separate myself from the situation. (sighs) But if not, I'll be back next Friday, you guys. (laughs)
<laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I love you. Not you, Patty Melt. Not you, Paige, but I love the rest of you. Bye.